The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Bleaker, and Pocket Cast. However you listen, wherever and whenever you listen, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And you can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at all Andy Alfred. It is at All Andy Alfred and Facebook.com slash All Andy Alfred. The Browns get the job done in Cincinnati. Show that the Bengals you know, are not the Bengals. The Lions had a bye this week. Thank God. Thank God I don't have to talk about them, even though they're still owned by the Ford family. The Jackets get a big win on Saturday night against Colorado. Now have to wait a week to play. They'll play Washington on Friday. Big crowds at the Huntington Center Saturday night for the home opener. A playoff-filled atmosphere. Five in a row gets snapped on Sunday by the Comets. Upset specials in college football this past weekend. And... It doesn't matter anymore. You know why it doesn't matter anymore? Because we're in a new week of college football. Maction starts tonight. But the big game is upon us. After all, it's rivalry week. The Battle of I-75 takes place tomorrow night at the night. We're going to preview it right here. And you're going to hear from the coaches. And you're going to hear my prediction for the big game tomorrow night. After all, it's both ways. Either you're a Rocket fan or you bleed the brown and orange tonight on All Andy Alfred. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. And a shot at a goal. 24 runs in the span. I'm going to get shut out. Dumbino hit to a home run. Go home, Jack. That's way back. Put some Bear down, Chicago Bears. Choo-choo, it's time for all Andy Alfred. Let's go! Forward Falcons, forward Falcons, fight for victory! They'll our spirit, make them fear it, fight for old BG! Forward Falcons, forward Falcons, make the contest keen. Hold up our fame for our mighty name and win for Bowling Green. I love you guys and welcome in to another edition of Andy Alfred. Right here on your exclusive home for me, that is the Anchor Network. And you are listening to me tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for giving me your time and your effort to listen into what's happening in my life as well as what's happening in the sports world. You can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at all Andy Alfred, it is at All Andy Alfred, as well as on Facebook.com 
slash all Andy Elford. So welcome in on this Tuesday, the eve before the rivalry game on this, the 9th of November, 2021. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. We are less than 24 hours away now from the big game. 365 days since these two teams have played. Bowling Green falling short last time that these two teams played. But remember, 2019 was the year that Bowling Green pulled the upset at home at the Doit. We're going to preview the whole game for you here. You're going to hear from Jason Candle, the head coach of the University of Toledo Rockets. You're going to hear from our guy, Scott Leffler, the head coach of the Bowling Green State University Falcons. We're going to break down the whole game. We're going to have players, that, key players you're going to watch for tomorrow night at the game, 7 o'clock. If you're not going to the game, the game is on CBS Sports Network. CBS Sports Network. I'm guessing it's going to be Ross Tucker doing the game. I don't know if he might be doing tonight's slate of action games, but I have a feeling he might do the game tomorrow night. If he does, watch out. This kid, this guy is absolutely awesome. He does a lot of the interviews and he sits in with Dan Patrick a lot, but CBS Sports Network tomorrow. If you have, if you're not going to have any time to get down to the Doit to watch this game, watch it. It's a big game. This is Northwest Ohio right here. The schools are separated by 20 minutes apart, by 30 miles. This is the big game. Highly recommended. If you're if you're able, get tickets. Tickets are still available for this game. Seven o'clock kick at the Doit. Get there for this game. We're going to preview that game. We're going to preview tonight. We're going to preview on the show tonight the uh, Battle of I-75. We will also break down the rest of Week 10 of the college football spectrum. Also dive into the Jackets. The Jackets a big win this past Saturday night as they took down the Colorado Avalanche for the second straight time in a row. They will now get ready for the big three games in five days. We'll preview all that here coming forward. Also, we'll dive into uh, the NFL. Week 9 is in the books. 8 and 6 is yours truly's record. We'll dive into that. We'll dive also into the the Browns game. But first and foremost, before we begin tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about the Walleye. The Toledo Walleye, of course, the double-A affiliate of the, of the Detroit Red Wings. We waited over 600 days since the Walleye were last on the ice. They took on the Kalamazoo Wings at home on Saturday night. Yours truly was in attendance. A great crowd on hand. And, you know, it was just absolutely, I'll just say this right off the bat. It just felt like a playoff atmosphere game on Saturday night. The fans were all into it. You know, it was great to see the fans and the stands totally, totally packed. And the Walleye coming into this into the game on Saturday night were running a four-game winning streak as they defeated Kalamazoo the night before in Kalamazoo. And I'll just say this. They defeated Kalamazoo on Friday night 6-4. to four. 
So they were coming in hot. They were coming in hot in this one. And on Saturday night, they did come out in 22 seconds into the first period. It was wholesale, wholesale getting the party started for the fish from Dickerson and Frazier. It was one nothing. And then, uh, again, T.J. Hensick, the captain, his fifth of the season for McKenzie and Hillman. It was 2-0 after 20 minutes of play. The scoring continued for the walleye. It was Barry, his third of the season from Hensick and Mayer, 3-0. And then Albert with back-to-back goals, his sixth and seventh of the season, making it 5-0. Fish, they put the exclamation point on the evening. For Tom Nick on the power play from Barry and Hosal. And the final at the Huntington Center for the first time in front of a sold-out crowd of 8,400 in attendance. 6-0. The Fish shut out the Kalamazoo Wings. The Walleye, 34 shots on net to Kalamazoo's 22. The Walleye, 1-for-1 on the power play. Kalamazoo, 0-for-1. Fulcher. Stellar performance. He stopped all 22 shots in the game. It was uh, Trevor Gorsick stopping 28 of 34. Save percentage of a point nine two five. So a great outing for the Fish on opening night. And I'll, I want to talk about opening night first and foremost. Great crowd on hand. Uh, the wife and I went. Met up with some friends beforehand. We went over to Frickers, took a look look at the ballpark as it's getting remodeled for Winterfest. Uh, the the ballpark looks fantastic. They're getting ready for the Winterfest. The fields tore up, and uh, yeah, it, it just looks fantastic. And uh, so we get into the Huntington Center. Uh, it felt like pre-pandemic, in my opinion. Uh, not that many people wearing masks. Um, people not really social distancing as much, but it was a fantastic time. It felt like we were getting back to normal in some aspects. Uh, the, the tributes before the game were absolutely fantastic. Um, the player introductions were great. Um, you know, this was Anthony Bellino, my guy, Bellino's last broadcast as the PA announcer for the walleye. I wish him all the best in his future endeavors uh, with the Michigan Wolverines as well as with the Detroit Lions. Uh, love you, Bellino. You know that. Um, yeah, the game felt, it just felt like a playoff atmosphere. Everybody was just so into the game. And the tradition will continue for me that this team will not make the playoffs, will not make the will not win the Kelly Cup because they say hit somebody during the national anthem. And I, you know, I know it's a tradition in Toledo and you know, I was going to save this for the Andy rants, but I'm going to open it with it tonight. Um, I like when I was growing up, I understood the tradition with it. You know, it dated back to when the storm were around and I know it's a tradition, but it started off in the 94-95 season with the with the Toledo Storm. The people would shout, hit somebody during the National Anthem. 
And 94, 95 was the last, 92, 93 was the year that they won the Kelly, the, uh, the Riley Cup. 93, 94, they won the Riley Cup, and then it turned into the Kelly Cup. And Toledo has never won it ever since. And I think it's because of that. I really think it is. I think it's the curse of the hit somebody. Uh, I really do. And I just wish that, you know, we there's a there will be a group of fans that will hate me for what I'm about to say. I, say, I think we need to dissolve that. I really, really do. I don't mind the who cares during the during the the starting lineup for the visiting team. I don't I don't really care all that much about like chanting the goalie's last name and telling him that he sucks. I don't mind that, but the the, the guy the where I was sitting, there's a guy two seats over from me. Two seats over from me. He was saying the goalie's last name and telling him that he sucks. And then he says the says something absolutely vulgar towards the line of you know you that that you after you take a drink what do you do? And so he tells him that you suck and that. And I I, I just think that that needs to go. I really do. I know it's blue collar, but this team is this team. It doesn't need that raunchiness to it. I like the fact that the fans say, you know, hit somebody and they say hard. I'm fine with that. I'm fine. I'm not fine with that the sucking situation, and with the with the 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 swallowing situation. I'll say it out: a swallowing situation. I don't like that. Uh, you could call the name, tell him that he sucks, or you could say that the opposition team, when they go to full strength and they still suck, that's fine. I'm fine with that, but the whole swallowing situation, I hate that, and the whole hit somebody thing. I'm starting as a kid who grew up in the sports arena, who said it all the time. I just don't like it. I really don't like it. I I just don't, and it's just it's ridiculous. It really is, and you know that's the curse. I believe that's the curse of this team not winning a Kelly Cup. If we could get this from not from people not saying that. We might have a chance to win the Kelly Cup. And how this team is built this year, I really like it. It's night and day to when I was talking to you guys a few weeks ago during the during the exhibition season. This team has finally gelled. I like this team. I really do. I like the, the leadership of Hensick. I like the play of Vela. Frazier's a good player as well. I like Grizzola. He's been with the club for a while. Barry is a very good player. Um, I also like McKenzie. Not just because of the he wears my favorite number, which is my lucky number, number 12, on the back of the jersey. But I like his grit to his to the play. So I like what I'm seeing on the ice with the wall. I really do. It, like I said, they're, they're going to run into some hard teams. They're going to they're gonna run into a Fort Wayne and they did on Sunday. They're going to run into a, a a hot streaking team like a like a Tulsa or a a Wichita that's going to be a good team. They're going to run into that. But I just I I feel like this team is finally that Dan Watson and his coaching staff finally built this team to be the right fit for this organization. Gritty hard working players that will get the job done. Now, I didn't see any fights. I haven't seen any fights in the last two nights. I've seen a lot of pushing and shoving, a lot of grappling, but not a lot of fighting. 
in the last two nights. So we'll see how that all shakes out. Now, on the on the effort of this, like I said, we need to stop with the hit somebody. We need to stop with the swallowing thing. And I'm pushing this to the walleye faithful. We need to stop this Ric Flair stuff. I understand it's the big thing where the players go like like celebrate and they go boo and everything like that. But we don't need to have we have it at the Mud Hen games. We have it at, they have it at the Rocket football games. They have it at the Walleye games. I just I I love Ric Flair. I love the whole woo effort and everything like that, but it just doesn't need to happen at after every single goal. It just doesn't have to happen. And I, 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 I'm, not, I'm a big component of it. I, I think it's, it's just too much. It's too much. You can, you can have the fans chant it and woo and everything like that on their own personal level. But when you're forcing it onto the fans, I just, I just don't like it. I really don't. And I never, I've never really liked it. I, I, I saw it when it was in, was when it was in Cleveland, when we see the monsters play. And when I saw it in Cleveland, I said, oh, no, this is coming to Toledo. And sure enough, it came to Toledo. And I just I just don't like it. I really, really don't like it. So there's that for you. I know it's. I know it's, I'm getting on my high horse and saying, oh, you know, got to do this. You got to change that, blah, 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 blah. Well, it needs to be done. It needs to be done. You know, I'm, I'm as a, a guy that's 31 years of age, I think it's time to change the – change the whole demeanor of this team and stop with the hit somebody during the national anthem stop with this and he swallows at the same time which i just that's just so wrong i mean think about it as a as a parent if you're bringing your child to their first ever any uh, first ever hockey game at like five or six they hear the guy shout that and the guy the kid has to the parent has to explain it to the kid Who's that? Who's that blaming? The guy who said it. And I know this is a blue collar team. I understand it's a blue collar town. But it's just not necessary anymore. It isn't. And the the woos have got to be silenced, in my opinion. They have to be silenced. Play this simple. But the fish, a big six nothing win. On Saturday night, they continued their momentum into Sunday's game against Fort Wayne. And, and I thought Sunday's game was the more interesting game. Now, the Walleye had played four, game, had played four games in six days. Three consecutive games, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and a game on Wednesday. So they played Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They played four games in five days. So it's gonna it's it came upon them really quickly and Fort Wayne was all over them in this game. They were all over the fish in this game. They really were, and it all started off with Jones. And I, I like these kids from Fort Wayne. I will give you this. I like Jones. It's two brothers, the Jones brothers. I call them. Starting off the scoring for Fort Wayne. Their first, Colin Jones is first from Keith Jones, Kevin Jones, excuse me, one nothing, Fort Wayne. And then Milan getting his second from Harper and then Caron, it was 2 nothing, Fort Wayne before TJ Hensick on the power play buries it past, 
pass. Panera. Panera. It's 2-1. 2-1. Comets. And then all of a sudden in the... And it was Schneiberl. His second from the Joneses. It was 3-1 after 20 minutes of play. And if you saw the the, uh, Facebook page, of course, you saw that I did a um, first period intermission report. You know, they were getting outshot in the game. Toledo was out shooting Fort Wayne in the first period, 15-11 to in the game. In the second, Albert's getting his eighth of the season from Grafani and Meyer, making it 3-2, cutting the deficit. But that was all at the wall I could afford as Bush gets his first of the season for Karan and Ron Smith, beating Caden Fulcher, 4-2 Fort Wayne. And then Alvarado getting his third of the season for Karan and Harper. And that was all the scoring that happened as Fort Wayne goes in with their converter vans into Toledo with a big 5-2 win, beating the Fish. The Fish out shooting the Comets in the game 35-25. Fort Wayne 0-4 for on the power play. Toledo 1-6 for on the power play. No really, like I said, no fighting in the game, of course. Panera stopping 33 of 35. His save percentage of .975. Fulcher stopping 20 of 25. He allowed five goals. His save percentage of .895. So the walleye getting the big win on Saturday and having the five-game winning streak snapped on Sunday afternoon in the Huntington Center. So the walleye now off until... They will play again, I believe, this upcoming weekend. They'll have two games at home, a road game in the middle. The Fish will start on Friday night. They will play in at home against the Wheeling Nailers, a 7:15 puck drop for that one. You can go to ToledoWalleye.com for ticket information as well as calling 419-725-WALL or, like I said, ToledoWalleye.com for the tickets. They will then head to Fort Wayne on Saturday night, 8.05, puck drop for that one as the Comets welcome in the fish. And by the way, the Comets and Toledo will play each other 13 times this season. That says a lot, 13 times this season. And like I said, 8 o'clock puck drop, uh, 7.30 puck drop for that one on Saturday night in Fort Wayne. The concluding weekend on Sunday sees the fish welcoming in the Indianapolis Fuel 5.15 puck drop for that one. At the Huntington Center, so the fish busy weekend ahead. They will then continue on. They will play on on next weekend, as they will play on the nineteenth of November. They'll welcome in the new Iowan Heartlanders for a quick two-game series. Friday the nineteenth, Saturday the twentieth. And then on the 20, I don't believe they play again on the Sunday. Yeah, they're done on Sunday after that one. So two quick games for the Fish next weekend at home. So they'll play two at home this weekend, two at home next weekend. The big ones against Iowa next weekend. Those are probably the game you probably should go see right there. So uh, looking at the standings going into tonight's play, the Fish on top in the Central Division. At 5-2-0-0 with 10 points. Fort Wayne in second spot. They're 4-1-0-0 with 8 points. Cincinnati 4-2-0-0 with 8 points. The Wheeling Nailers 3-3-0-0 with 6 points. Indianapolis at 2-3-0-0 with 4 points. Kalamazoo 
is 2-3, 0-0 with four points. And the Iowa Heartlanders, eight games played. They're 1-6-1 and and 0 with three points. So the Walleye top spot at the Central. We'll see if it holds up for the Fish going forward. As you are listening to All Andy Elf for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. And now let's dive into the NHL. Let's take a look at the Jackets report. It's time to fire the cannon. And it's time to put on your jackets. It's time for the Jackets Report, right here on All Andy Alfred. So it's time for the Jackets Report right here. The Jackets, a big weekend as they came off of a huge win on Saturday night as they took down the Colorado Avalanche for the second time in in so many days as the the Jackets, a big 4-2 win over the Colorado Avalanche, all powered by a late goal by Cole Sillinger in the third period. It was Gabriel Carlson starting the scoring off for the Jackets, his first of the season from Jakob Voracek and Yegor Chinikov. 1-0 Jackets, 11-44 in the first period before Boreski getting his second of the season from Kadri and Girard. And it tied it up after 20 minutes of play, tied at one apiece. Boreski unassisted, backhanded goal, beating... Goal, beating the goaltender Elvis Merzlinkitz as the as the Jackets were down 2-1 after tw- after 40 minutes of play. Uh, Borowski getting his third of the season unassisted 2-1 after 40 minutes of play. And before Alexander Texier getting his third of the season from Eric Robertson. And Elvis Merzlinkitz getting his first assist of the season, tying it 3-2. And then, of course, Cole Sillinger getting the equalizer at the one minute and two second mark to go in the third period, giving the Jackets a 3-2 lead from Chinikov and Valislav Gavrikov. I'd say that two times fast. It was a deflected shot. I thought Chinikov had the goal and had his first professional, but it went off of Cole Sillinger on the deflection. 3-2 Jackets. Oliver Bjorkstrand buries the empty netter, his fifth of the season when Jenner and Gavrikov four to Jackets. That was the final. Jackets, a big win. Merzlink is the number one star. Cole Sillinger, the number two star. Uh, Borutsky, the number three star. The Jackets out shooting the Avalanche in the game 42-36. to Both teams 50% at the faceoff dot. Both teams 0-4 on the power plays. They both have eight minutes in penalties. Jackets out hitting the Avalanche of the game 29 to 19. The Avs out blocking the Jackets 14 to 11. Four giveaways to five for the Jackets. They had seven takeaways to the Avalanches. Three. The Jackets were outshot in the first period 13 to 9, but they outshot the Avalanche in the second and third period 17 to 9 and 16 to 14 for a total of 42 shots for the Jackets, 36 shots. For the Colorado Avalanche. And by the way, Elvis Merzlink is stopping 28 of 30. Save percentage of a point nine four four. It was Dumper stopping 38 of 41. 
save percentage of a point nine two seven. So the Jackets a big win over the Avalanche. They will now take on the Washington Capitals three home games in five days. They'll start that on wet Friday night, seven o'clock puck drop at two hundred West Nationwide Boulevard as Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals come into town. They'll play. They're playing Detroit the night before, so we could be getting a either defeated. Capitals team or a team that absolutely obliterates the Red Wings. So we'll see what happens with that. Saturday they will have another home game, a back-to-back home games. They'll take on the New York Rangers at 7 o'clock and then they'll have a day off on Sunday. Monday they will host the Detroit Red Wings for a 7 o'clock putt drop at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard before a three-game road trip which sees them go out to Arizona. Then on Saturday night, 10 o'clock puck drop they're in Vegas, the Battle of the Golden Knights. Then they return to the East Coast on that following Monday, the week of Thanksgiving, to take on Buffalo before returning home to play Winnipeg on the 24th, Thanksgiving the 25th, then Vancouver the day after Thanksgiving. Then they head to St. Louis for a four-game starting of another four-game road trip where they see they're in St. Louis, Nashville, Dallas. Then they head back to Washington, before returning home the next night to battle the San Jose Sharks at Nationwide Arena. So a busy schedule for the Jackets going forward. So, you know, a good five days off after this game, but they're going to be playing some a lot of hockey going forward after Friday night's game against the Washington Capitals, which we'll see a lot of the Jackets. And we'll see if this team is for real because they're playing the Washington team, they're playing a Rangers team that's going to, they're both hot. Red Wings staring to get there. The the Coyotes, not even close. Vegas, a contender. Buffalo, were hot at the beginning. Now they're falling apart. Winnipeg, who's hot. Vancouver's trying to find themselves. And then the big stretch of St. Louis, Nashville, Dallas, and Washington before they return home to play San Jose. So we'll see how it all shakes out. We'll see how it all shakes out for you right now. Uh, games happening tonight. We have a few games that are getting ready to start right now. Ottawa is in Boston to battle the Bruins. Uh, the Kings are in in the Bell Center to battle the Montreal Canadiens. Hurricanes and Lightning. You have Panthers in New Jersey to battle the Devils. Detroit is at home tonight. They'll battle the Edmonton Oilers. That game 7.30 puck drop for that one. 9 o'clock uh, will be the San Jose Sharks taking on the Calgary Flames. Anaheim is in Vancouver to battle the the Canucks. Uh, Seattle is at ho- on the road in Vegas to battle the Golden Knights. It will be Chicago with their two wins. will be in United Center battling the Pittsburgh Penguins. 8.30 puck drop for that one. St. Louis taking on Winnipeg at 8 o'clock Eastern. Looking at the standings going into tonight's play. It is Florida in the top spot in the Atlantic Division at 10-1-1 with 21 points. It is Toronto holding the second spot at 7-5-1 with 15 points. Tampa Bay is 6-3-2 with 14 points. The Metropolitan Division top three teams look like this. It is the Carolina Hurricanes at 9-1-0 with 18 points. The New York Rangers are 7-3-3 with 17 points. The Washington Capitals 6-2-4 with 16 points. So those are big games for the Jackets going forward. Wildcard standings look like this. Philadelphia holding the top spot at 6-2-2 with 14 points. Columbus 7-3-0 with 14 points. Detroit 6-5-2 with 14 points on the outside looking in. 
The Islanders 5-3 and 2 with 12 points. The Devils 5-3 and 2 with 12 points. So are with 12 points the Buffalo Sabres, but they're 5-5 five, five, and 2. Pittsburgh 4-3 three, and 3 with 11 points. Boston 5-4 and 0 with 10 points. Ottawa 3-7 and 1 with 7 points. Montreal 3-10 and 0 with 6 points. In the Western Conference in the Central Division, Minnesota totaling the top spot. At 8-3-0 with 16 points. St. Louis is 7-2-1 with 15 points. Winnipeg 6-3-2 with 14 points. The Pacific Division sees Edmonton holding the top spot at 9-1-0 with 18 points. Calgary 7-1-3 with 17 points. Anaheim 6-4-3 with 15 points. The wild card sees the Sharks of San Jose at 6-4-1 with 13 points. The Kings 6-5-1 with 13 points. Nashville 6-5-1 with 13 points on the outside looking in. Vegas 6-6-0 with 12 points. It is Vancouver at 5-6-1 with 11 points. Dallas 4-5-2 with 10 points. Colorado 4-5-1 with 9 points. Seattle struggling. 4-7-1 with 9 points. Chicago 2-9-2 with 6 points. And the Arizona Coyotes right now the worst team in the league with only 1 win, 10 losses, and 1 overtime loss for a total of three points so that is what's happening right now the losing notes around the nhl looks like this of course it will be uh anaheim ducks bob murray was placed on administrative leave and leave emitting an uh, investigation he's been accused of improper professional conduct and it will be their interim Vice President Jeff Solon will assume the role as interim general manager. Murray been with the Ducks has been with the Ducks since 2005. So we'll see how that's going to shape up as well. Uh, Ovechkin tying Brett Hall for fourth in most NHL goals with 741. There's that one for you there. Doug Wilson will be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and the, like I said, the big trade today, big trade last week was, uh, was Eichel getting moved to Vegas. We'll see how that all shakes out as well. So we'll see, we'll see how it all shakes out. So big news for the, for the, uh, wall, for the, uh, for the jackets. We'll see how they all shake out with the, with, with Washington on Friday night. We will have a special post game edition of uh, All Andy Elford, the Falcon Friday edition. We'll have that after the Jackets game this upcoming Friday. So the Jackets playing Washington. We will break that game down for you and get you set up for Week 10 of the NFL and Week 11 of college football. A lot to get into with that. And so we'll see how it all shakes out. As that was the Jackets report right here on All Andy Elford. And you're listening to All Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast tonight. And now, let's hit the gridiron. Let's talk a little National Football League. Let's talk about the Battle of Ohio. Since we're talking about the Battle of I-75 Rivalry Week, let's well talk about the Battle of Ohio. The Browns taking on the Bengals. So the Browns, a huge win. They went into Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati, an underdog against the Bengals this past weekend, and they put a shellacking on the Bengals and basically have said that the Browns are now back. After the whole situation with Odell Beckham Jr. being released, 
you kind of felt like the team was going to be either either going to be shooken up by this and have a down game or what I was thinking was going to happen they were going to absolutely demolish the Bengals and they absolutely did Nick Chubb a tremendous game for him 14 carries for 137 yards propels the Browns with Baker Mayfield at the helm a great performance by Baker as the Browns beat up on the Bengals 41 to 16 and now are 5-4 and four overall. For Baker Mayfield in the game, he was 14 for 21 for 218 total yards, 2 TDs. His QBR rating was an 82.7%. Chubb, like I mentioned, 14 carries, 137 yards, 2 TDs. He was running for the Ohio River, in my, my opinion. A great outing for him. His longest run, the 70-yard touchdown run. Donovan Peoples-Jones has now proven to me that he is, in my opinion, the number two wide receiver to Jarvis Landry. If you have these two at the same on the line at the same time, you're going to get some big plays. And I really like the play uh, that Donovan Peoples-Jones had. Two, t- two receptions for 86 yards, the big TD. Chubb also caught the ball twice for 26 yards. Bryant, two catches for 26 yards. Njoku, one catch, 18 yards for a TD. Felton, two, one catch, 22 yards. Hooper, two catches for 14 yards. Landry, three touches for 11 yards. Great outing for him in the game on Sunday. For the Bengals, Joe Burrow, 28 for 40, 282. He threw two picks, no touchdowns. His QBR rating was a 16.5. Can't have that. Joe Mixon, 13 carries for 64 yards. Two TDs in the game. For Higgins, it was six carries for 78 yards. Uh, Jamar Chase, six catches, 49 yards, no TDs. Mixon's five catches, 46 yards, no TDs. Uh, Allen, I mean, Burrow also ran the ball twice for only one yard. And so the Bengals falling to the Browns, 41-16. to The overall stats, the Browns had 14 first downs to the Bengals, 25. On third down, the Browns were 3 for 9. The Bengals, 3 for 11. The Bengals, 0 for 2 on fourth down. The Browns had 361 total yards of offense, 220, uh, 208 through the air, 153 on the ground. The defense stood up for the Browns on the rushing game, only allowing 85 rushing yards and 263 yards passing for a total of 346 total yards. Uh, four penalties for 31 yards for the Bengals. However, for the Browns, 10 penalties for 84 yards. Three turnovers in the game were the key for the Bengals as it was two interceptions by Joe Burrows and a fumble. No turnovers for the Browns in the game. Browns did not lead in time as possession. Uh, the Bengals did it 35 minutes and 22 seconds. The Browns 24 minutes and 38 seconds. The Browns a big 41-16 to win on Sunday. They now get ready to battle the New England Patriots in Foxborough on Sunday. 1 o'clock kickoff for that one. And now let's take a look at the rest of the NFL slate as we recap Week 9 of the National Football League. It's time to do it. Week 9 of the National Football League. It's time to recap it right here on All Andy Alfred. Whoop! We begin on Thursday Night Football as the Indianapolis Colts took on the J-E-T-S, suck, suck, sucks, Mike White Jets. 
And the Colts proving yet again that Mike White was not the white head of the Jets. Needed to be popped. And he was popped and took out of the game. As the Colts dispose of the Jets. 45 to 30. Whoop! Upset City was what Sunday brought. As it was Teddy Bridge over Trouble Water. Coming into Dakland. I mean, Jerry World. I mean, Dallas. The Battle of the Cowboys. As Teddy Bridgewater, an outstanding game, pulling the upset over Dallas. Prescott, terrible. 19 for 29. One interception, but he had 232 yards. Bridgewater, 19 for 28. 249 yards. And the Broncos beat up on Dallas, 30-16. to 16. Whoop! We head down to Hard Rock to see the one-win teams. Houston, Dallas, the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins leading the pack down the pathway to the win over the Texans as they beat up on the Texans 17-9. It was a shootout in the Superdome as it was the Jamelessless Winstons of New Orleans. Taking on Matty Cool Ice in the Atlanta Falcons. It was a solid game for the Saints. Getting them down the field. Possibly getting the win and forcing overtime. But Matty Ice late in the fourth quarter. Setting his team up for the game winning field goal. And as cool as ice. On Bourbon Street. Atlanta 27. New Orleans 25. Whoop! An upset in the Meadowlands as the G-Men welcome in the John Gruden Les Raiders to MedLife Stadium as it was all G-Men in the game as quarterback Daniel Jones 15 for 20 for 110 yards but Booker 21 carries for 99 yards sees the G-Men Beat up on the Raiders. 23-16. Whoop! We head down to Carolina. As the Panthers battled Bill Belichick and the Patriots. And the Patriots putting a shellacking. Sam Darnold seeing Ghost again. As it was all Patriots. 24-6 over the Panthers. We head down to the slugfest that was Jacksonville. Yes, Josh Allen versus Josh Allen and Josh Allen of the of the Jacksonville Jaguars gets the win over Josh Allen of the Bills. The Bills only putting six points up on the boards as it was the Bills falling to the Jaguars, getting the Jags their first win in U.S. soil in 480 days. 9-6 over the Bills, 6-9. That was Urban's favorite number. Trevor Lawrence, 15 for 26 for 116 yards. Josh Allen, 31 for 47. Two interceptions. And the Jags beat the Bills 9-6. A shootout overtime thriller in Baltimore. As the Bill, as the Ravens, battled the Minnesota Purple People Eaters of the Minnesota Vikings. 
The Vikings holding strong most of the game, but it was forcing overtime. And in overtime, Tucker proves yet again that he's got a strong leg as the Ravens beat up by the Vikings in overtime. 34-31. What? We head over to Philadelphia and the E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles. Cheesesteak Eagles battled Justin Herbert and the, and the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers proving strong yet again. Bolts have the way. Winning it in a late field goal in the fourth quarter. Chargers 27. Eagles 24. The game of the century should have been the Chiefs taking the Packers. A rematch of Super Bowl one. But with no error, I forgot I don't take vaccine Rodgers taking on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. You figured it was going to be a good one, but Jordan, where's the love? Becomes the starting quarterback for the for the Packers in the game. And he went 19 for 34, had a touchdown, but an interception as Patty Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, 20 for 37 for 166 yards. One TD helps the Chiefs get back into it with a win, 13 to 7 over the Chiefs heads. Upset with Colt McCoy, Colt McCoy, Colt McCoy, and the Arizona Cardinals. No Kyler Murray, no Hopkins, no problem. As the 49ers and the wet jeans at Levi Stadium fall to the Arizona Cardinals, 31 to 17. We then head into Sunday Night Football as Matthew Stafford and the LA Rams take on the Tennessee Titans up. Titans trying to get back into the winning thing. And the Detroit Lions' Matthew Stafford came out to the game and showed up on the field, giving up two bad interceptions. One bad, two interceptions in the game. He was 31 for 48, only threw a TD, but it was Ryan Tannehill, 19 for 27 for 143 yards, one TD, and no Henry, no problem for Foreman. Five carries, 29 yards, as it was the Titans getting their seventh win of the season with a big 28-16 win over the Rams. Rams 7-2. Titans 7-2. Interesting developments there. And then we get to Monday Night Football. Two legends of the game, and is. The Bears with Justin Fields taking on Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers. As this game was dictated by officiating the entire time. The officiating was absolutely dreadful. But Boswell's late field goal lifts the Steelers after the Bears coming back to almost beating the Steelers at home. The Steelers a big 29-27 win. Fields, 17 for 29, 291 yards. One TD, Roethlisberger, 20 for 30, 205 yards. As Najee Harris, 22 carries, 62 yards. One TD, Deontay Johnson, the former Rocket. I hate the Rockets. Five receptions for 56 yards. Pittsburgh, 29. The Bears, 27. That is the recap of Week 9 of the National Football League. We head into week 10 on Thursday 
as it is the Baltimore Ravens heading down to Hartbrook. The Battle of the Pods, known as the Miami Dolphins. Baltimore, a seven and a half point favorite in the game. I will take those Ravens. Formerly the Cleveland Browns. Formerly the Cleveland Browns of the old NFL. They had moved because of Art Modell. Even though I hate Art Modell and the Baltimore Ravens because they left Cleveland, I will still take Baltimore to beat the Miami Dolphins this upcoming Thursday night. As that was the NFL recap of Week 9 of the National Football League. Right here on All Andy Alfred. So that was Week 9 recap of the National Football League right here on All Andy Alfred. On the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast tonight. And now let's dive into the college games. Week 10 saw upsets specials happening on the gridiron. So upsets galore in week 10 of the college football of the college football season. Let's take a look at what happened in week 10 this past weekend. Of course, we'll start first and foremost with number one Georgia getting the big win over Missouri 43 to 6. It was North Carolina. Pulling the upset, beating Wake Forest, giving Wake Forest their first loss of the season and officially knocking out the ACC out of the college football playoff with North Carolina beating Wake Forest 58-55. Wake Forest ninth ranked in the country. Liberty goes into Ole Miss and Ole Miss puts up 27 points on Liberty as they beat the Eagles 27-14. Duke falls to 25th ranked Pittsburgh. By the score of 54-29. to With game day in the house. Cincinnati plays it tough against Tulsa. Tulsa making it a good football game. A late fumble. Late heroics in the game. A messy way to end the football game. As it was Cincinnati pulling off the win. Beating Tulsa 28-20. to The Fighting Irish of Notre Dame welcomed in the midshipmen. At Notre Dame Stadium and the Irish blowing past the midshipmen 34 to 6. 24 11th ranked, then the Irish were 10th ranked in the country. 11th ranked Oklahoma State beats up on West Virginia 24 to 3. TCU a big 30 to 28 win over 12th ranked Baylor, knocking the Baylor Bears, I think, out of the college football playoff ranking. 13th ranked Auburn. Only putting up three points on the Aggies as the Aggies beat up on the Auburn Tigers 20-3. The BYU Cougars, 15th ranked in the country, beats up on Idaho State 59-14 in the game on Saturday. It was Mississippi State falling to falling to the bacon bits of Arkansas. Arkansas, a big 31-28 win over 17th ranked Mississippi State. Mississippi State is done. Get them out. 19th ranked North Carolina State, a big 28-14 win over the Florida State Seminoles. A close game in, in Alabama, in Tuscaloosa. LSU playing for this game. And they held strong for most of the game. And they almost beat Alabama. Almost. But Alabama, roll tie. Bama continues their run. 
They went 20-14. to Tennessee upsets 18th-ranked Kentucky 45-42. Boise State, a big 40-14 win over 23rd-ranked Fresno State. The Oregon Ducks quack, quack, quacked all the way over the Washington Huskies 28 Excuse me, 26-16. And San Diego State in a late game beats Hawaii 17-10. Now let's take a look at the Big Ten. We'll first and foremost start with Ohio State. Ohio State, a new kickoff as they took on Nebraska. Nebraska playing tough. It was down, They were only down seven at the break, but then Ohio State turned on the Jets as it was all Ohio State in the second half as they win 26-17 over Nebraska. In the game, Strauss went 36 for 54 for 405 yards. He threw two touchdowns and two interceptions. Uh, Henderson, 21 carries for 92 yards. As Ohio State, a big 26-17 win over Nebraska. It was Illinois upsetting, row the boat, Minnesota 14-6. Uh, 21st ranked Wisconsin pushed a shellacking on the Rutgers Knights 52-3. All oh, Wisconsin. Fight on Wisconsin. Maryland falls to Penn State by a score of 31-14. Iowa, a 17-12 win. Iowa, 22nd ranked in the country, beats the Northwestern Wildcats 17-12. And then the upsets began. As third ranked Michigan State headed into Purdue. To bow the Boilermakers, and Purdue made them pay. O'Connell, 40 for 54 for 536 yards. Three TD passes as Bell had 11 of those catches for 217 yards. One TD. Thorne, 20 for 30, 276, two TDs, one interception. As the third-ranked Michigan State Spartans... Fall to the Boilermakers, 40-29. to That is Purdue's second upset this season. Could they go for three this upcoming weekend in the shoe? We'll find out on Friday when you hear the predictions for Week 11 of college football. Michigan gets the big win over Indiana, 29-7. to So Michigan rolling. Rolling. They have to. McNamara, 18 for 28, 10 for 18 for 168 yards. Two TDs in the game. Uh, McCarthy, 5 for 10, 55 yards, one interception. He, they, they need to stop doing this two-quarterback system and give it the football to McNamara because he's ca- cashing in. As Haskins had 27 carries for 168 yards and one TD. In the game, Shoemaker three catches, twenty one yards. Excuse me, twenty one yards, two TDs in the game as Michigan a twenty nine to seven win over Indiana. We look at the MAC games, of course, the MAC games in Week Ten as Ball State was a winner, thirty one to twenty five over Akron, Ohio a big thirty five to thirty three win over Miami, Ohio. Like I mentioned before last week, Eastern Michigan, a 52-49 to win over Toledo. It was Central Michigan on Wednesday, a winner 42-30 to over Western Michigan. And Northern Illinois, a winner four, losing to Kent State, excuse me, 52-47. to Kent State, the winner. So we look at Week 11 starts tonight 
As three MAC games will take place as Buffalo heads into Miami of Ohio to battle the Red Hawks. Buffalo coming off of the bye this past week. As Buffalo is looking to bounce back in week 11 of the college football thing. I'm going to take Miami of Ohio. I think Miami of Ohio coming off of the upset last week, losing to Ohio. I think they're out for a score, and I'm taking Miami of Ohio over Buffalo. Akron is in Western Michigan to battle the Broncos. I'll take Western Michigan in that one. I mean, Akron had a great game last week, beating up, getting beat up by... Ball State, I think they'll bounce back. I'll have West, but I I just think Western's a better team. Western's looking for revenge after losing to Central last week. I'll take Western Michigan. And then Ohio is in Ypsilanti to battle Eastern Michigan. I'm going to take Eastern Michigan to continue their ways, and they're going to get into the MAC championship game, I think. I think they're going to get into the MAC championship game. The other two MAC games before we get into. Big one. Of course, Ball State is at Northern Illinois tomorrow night, 7 o'clock kickoff. Ball State, a two and a half point favorite in that game. I'm going to take Ball State in that one. And the other game, Kent State is at Central, at Central Michigan, 8 o'clock kick. Central Michigan, a two and a half point favorite in that one. I'm going to take Kent State. I think Kent State can um, surprise a lot of people. They surprised us at Bowling Green by beating us. This past, this past season. So we're going to take a second. Reset. And we are going to break down. The big game. Tomorrow night. At Doit Perry Stadium. The battle of I-75. The preview. Begins now. Right here on All Andy Alfred. This game means a lot. To us here in Northwest Ohio. It sets up. The bragging rights for 365 days. It shows us who's leading in recruiting. It shows us which way the programs are facing. It shows us the way that this that these teams will play against each other. It's neighbor versus neighbor. Sometimes brother versus brother. But we all have one mission in mind. To see who will lift the trophy at the end of the triple zeros. Bragging rights matter. The schools are represented only 20 minutes apart. Brown and orange. Midnight blue and gold. We all play for the MAC. We all play for the championship. We all play for this game. It's rivalry week. The battle of I-75. It starts now. Right here on All Andy Alfred. As tonight, we will preview this big game. This is the big game. It is the 86th meeting between the Falcons and the Rockets. Who are only 25 miles apart from each other. Bowling Green. Comes into action on Wednesday when Toledo comes to Doy Perry Stadium for the annual request for the Battle of I-75. Toledo leads this series 41-40-4. and 
Since the year 2000, Bowling Green is 2-0 against UT when the Falcons hold the Rockets to under 30, 300 yards total offense. Since 2002, UT is 4-5 when the Falcons accumulate 400 plus yards of total offense. Since 2000, Bowling Green is 5-3 against UT when they win the turnover battle. They are 0-5 when they don't. And it's a tie, 2-2, two two, when both turnovers are the same. Bowling Green leads the nation, 13th in the nation, with 25 sacks. They're one of four max schools ranked in that top 25 carry. Here's the numbers for you. BGSU has 71 players on its rosters that graduated high school in 2020-2021, which is the third most in school history. Looking at some of the other stats in this game. The last meeting at the Doit was in 2020. Led by Grant Lloyd in the game. It is 2019, my apologies. 2019. In 2019, my apologies. In the 84th meeting between the two schools, the Falcons snapped their nine-game losing streak to the Rockets with a 20-7 win led by Grant Lloyd's 56-yard run on the first play from scrimmage, which set the tone in the game. And it was all Bowling Green as they beat the Rockets 20-7 in 2019. The Battle of I-75... BG Toledo have played every season since 1948. The two programs did not play, however, from 1936 to 47, but since picked up the series backed up, have played 74 straight seasons, including last year in 2021, which is the COVID year. And speaking of last year, Bowling Green was absolutely dreadful last year as they fell to the Rockets in that game 38-30 to as it was a terrible outing for Matt McDonald in the game. He was eight for thirty, for had two touch. He had two interceptions for hundred and twenty eight yards. While Eli Peters was tw- was twenty for thirty two for two hundred and fourteen yards. In the rushing game at the time, it was Andrew Clare with twelve touches for thirty seven yards. Bryson Dentley tw- ten catches ten carries for twenty yards. Matt McDonald ran the football three times for forty one yards. If you look at the team comparisons in this game, the Rockets in scoring offense average about 30.8 points a game, Bowling Green 23.6. In rushing scoring defense, Bowling Green has 20 is, defense is a 30.6 to the Rockets 22.0. The turnover margins, the Rockets have a 0.67 to the to the Falcons 0.11. Uh, the average sack in a game for sacks for a game for the Rockets is average two point four four to Bowling Green's two point seven six. Uh, the rush, the pass rush offense is averaging passing offense for the Rockets is averaging two hundred forty one, excuse me, two forty two to the Falcons two thirty nine. On the running game average for the Rockets, it's one hundred and sixty eight yards, led by their go. Go getter, of course, a Brian Kovac. Kovac 
averaging a solid outing for that one. So the Bowling Green Falcons taking on the University of Toledo. Toledo 4-5, and five, the Rockets 3-6. and six. Uh, When the Falcons beat the Rockets in 2019 at the Deutsch, Scott Lefter became the 10th head coach in the program's history to beat Toledo in his debut game as head coach against the Rockets. He was the first to do so since Dave Clawson in 2009. Hall of Famer Doit Perry from Bowling Group, BGSU's Hall of Fame, uh, never lost to Toledo. He was a perfect 10-0 and in the rivalry. The head coaches with wins in their debut game against Toledo. Leffler in 2019 with a 27 win. Dave Clawson in 2009 with a 38-24 win. Greg Brandon in 2003 with a 31-23 win. Urban Meyer with a 56-21 win in 2001. Like I mentioned before, uh, BGSU's offensive coach line, Chris Hayden, was on the Toledo Rocket offensive staff from 2001-2008 as a coach of the Titans offensive line, wide receivers, and offensive coordinator, and the running game coordinator. He also served as a graduate assistant in 1996. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's very interesting to see how it all shakes out. Like I said, Leffler, um, if you look at the history of this, Babers never won. Jenks never won. Clawson only won one time in 2009. Greg Brandon won it twice in 2007 and 2008. Leffler, like I said, in 2019. Urban was 500 against the Rockets. So we'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out tomorrow. Uh, key players to watch out for in this game tomorrow. Uh, the five story lines to look out for for the Rockets, the Rock, the, for the Falcons. Bowling Green has seven scoring plays, scoring drives of three plays or less at Buffalo last time out. Entering the game, they only had two such scoring drives combined in the season. Seven touchdown drives took four minutes and four seconds off the Kaycock, while the rest of the drives for Bowling Green, one TD, six punts, took 17 minutes and five seconds. Uh, players to watch out for, like I mentioned before, uh, players to watch out for on the offensive side of the ball for the Rocket, for the Falcons in this game. Of course, Brian Kovac is the big one to watch out for in the game for the, for the Rockets in this one. Uh, for the Falcons in this one, I, I like Chris, uh, Christian Sims. And this one in the tight end role, of course. Um, you have to watch out for Andrew Bench in the tight end realm, as well as Terry and per- Andrew Bench is for me the local kid. I think this kid can really make an impact in this game tomorrow. Uh, you know, I I think the defensive side of things. Carl Brooks has been with the team forever. I think he he was on the team in two thousand nineteen when this team won. Uh, you also have, you know, Trent Sims, you know, Jordan Anderson, a great player too. You know, Anthony Hawkins, you know, on that side. You also got to look at the kicking side of things because it's going to be a nice evening tomorrow night down at the Doit. It's going to be an absolutely nice evening at the Doit. Like I said, the longest, the largest win for Bowling Green 
was in 1855. They beat up on the Rockets. Largest BG win. Uh, then they beat the Rockets 39 to nothing. Uh, like I said, Rockets lead the series 41-40-4. In Bowling Green, BGSU leads it at 22-16-4. And, and that Dory Perry Stadium, 14-12-2. Uh, the first meeting was in 1919 at BG. They lost 6 to nothing. Both coaches are 1-1 one one against each other. The longest BGA winning streak was 12 straight times. They beat the University of Toledo from 1955 to 1966. Uh, Leffler overall record with the Falcons is 6-20 in his third season. Candle in his sixth season with the Rockets is 42-26. And, uh, and like I said, he is 4-1 against Bowling Green. The one loss coming in 2000. And 19. So speaking of coaches, we are going to listen to both coaches. First and foremost, we're going to listen to Jason Candle, the opposition coach of the University of Toledo Rockets. He will preview this game for the on the Rockets side of things. You'll also hear from him. And then we will also hear from Scott Leffler, the head coach of our Bowling Green State University Falcons. He'll break down the game as well as a key injury that will be discussed we discuss in this presser. Both pressers happened this past Friday night, uh, excuse me, Friday afternoon. Uh, they got set up for tomorrow's game, and they will set you up here on All Andy Offer. So here they are, head coach Matt Candle from the, uh, not Matt Candle, yeah, Jason Candle from the University of Toledo Rockets. Previewing with the Rockets, what the Rockets will be looking at at Bowling Green, and then Scott Leffler, the head coach of the Bowling Green State University Falcons, Previewing the game right here, the Battle of I-75. Here is the coaches right here on Only Andy Alford. Battle of I-75 this week, you know, major game to our city, big-time game for both institutions and one that means a lot to Northwest Ohio and really the Midwest. And this is a game that's been uh, an ongoing battle for many, many years, and any any of the great teams of, of either school that have played in this have a real tremendous amount of respect for one another, and and uh, really know what this rivalry means. And know our kids are fired up and ready to have a great week of practice and ready to roll. So, that being said, I'll take your questions. Um, you've been on both sides of winning and losing in this game. What are the what's the emotional difference uh, after winning this game and losing this game? Yeah, I mean, I I think you always. Regardless of what, what game it is, you always take the losses a little bit harder than maybe you enjoy the wins. And um, this one's no different than that and, and even heightened to a certain degree. So, you know, this is uh, bragging rights in your own backyard here for, you know, a whole calendar year. And, you know, we've been fortunate to be on the winning end more times than the losing end. And, you know, those days are, are, are much, much, uh, there's a sense of relief more, more so than anything. But, uh you know, like I said, a great game for Northwest Ohio, a great game for both institutions, and one that's, you know, going to be competitive each and every year, and, and, uh, and rightfully so. You mentioned a sense of relief. Is is that only like Bowling Green winning that game? Like, if you win another game, is there more happiness? But with a rival, it's more. Thank God. Yeah, I'm, I don't. You know, there's still you're still in the progression. This game is is falling on weird times each and every year of the schedule. Sometimes it's early in the season on a Saturday and, you know, whatever stadium hosts the game, it's packed and sold out. Some of it's on a Tuesday or Wednesday night in the middle of November. It's freezing cold and 
you know, the crowd is lackluster. You know, it's it's different. But I still think the game, the feel, and the atmosphere and the environment of what the players feel, what the coaches feel is, is very similar and, and the same in the sense that, you know, there is a heightened sense of an expectation to get the win um, and to play well, you know, and um, because it does mean means more to the communities and means more to the institutions than maybe a normal uh, random Saturday game. You guys lost, obviously, the last time down there in 2019. Do you kind of, like, bottle that feeling up this week of remembering what that felt like and trying to prevent it from happening again? I'll never forget that one. That one was a spot as strange of a game as I've ever been involved in. You know, really a, you know, a, a, a weird day that nothing really went our way and got some bad breaks and you know, credit to them they, they beat us um you know so yeah yeah i mean you try to guard against all the things that you know that maybe tripped you up in that particular moment and you know but that 2019 team was 2019 and this is 2021 and you know it's just they're two different teams two different times and you know for both sides so you know each game takes on its own identity so to speak and has its own set of challenges and, and this one's no different is there a different feel in the building during this week and, and out in practice? And like, like, is that something that tangible you can feel a different sense of energy or anything? I mean, you try to prepare your team from January till now, you know, through the entire year to treat every one of them the same. But, you know, there's a difference between Notre Dame and Norfolk State. There's a difference between Bowling Green and eastern michigan or somewhere else like that you know there's there, there is a difference and you know you try to mask against that and try to treat everyone on the same try to make sure that you stay as level head and you're headed in your preparation as you possibly can but yeah this one certainly does mean more in terms of messaging I there's some coaches that you know play up their rivalry game a ton and they don't make it a secret that it's a big game and some that are like oh you know it's just another game where do you kind of fall in terms of messaging with your players you gotta tell them the truth i mean you know what they feel is real you know and um you know, there's a trophy for this game. It sits in our locker room. It sits down in the middle. You know, it'd be really hard to sit in front of the team meeting and tell the team that this isn't that big of a deal. There is a trophy for it. So, um, yeah, you don't you don't shy away from that. You you encourage them into understanding that you know you don't want to say that you can throw the records out in any game of this magnitude or there any any time we play each other. But uh, no, it does. It means a big deal to our, our city. Like I said, our community, both institutions, and. One our kids take very serious, so yeah, I mean you you can't you can't shy away from it. Last year you beat BG by thirty plus points handily. Do you have any concerns that maybe they they felt that sting of defeat and they're coming back uh, this next week? Well, I mean, again, two different teams, obviously, two different senior classes, and you know the, just the dynamics of where each program is as far as you know. Uh, last year's a COVID year. There's so many different moving parts. Um, at the end of the day, though, it's still the orange and brown versus the midnight blue and gold and put the ball down and go play football. You obviously aren't from Northwest Ohio, but you've been in Toledo for a long time now. Did, did you understand quickly how big this rivalry was, and did you have kind of a welcome to the rivalry moment where you... Yeah, um, I did. I did understand. And then, you know, obviously in 2009, playing down there and, and losing down there in 2009 with, man, we... About everything that could go wrong in that year went wrong, and you know, a couple of fumbled punts and just some random stuff. And you know, obviously, to see the momentum swing throughout the course of that football game and go from one side to the other in a hurry, and the tide changed so fast, and then to lose it, you know, and then to to follow that back with a few years in a row of of, of consistent wins there. Um, yeah, I mean, you get, you know, you you get. You get introduced to it pretty fast. If you if you didn't have a real sense of it, you, you do rather quickly. What have you seen from BG on tape, and, and how different are they maybe than they were a year ago at this time when you played 
Yeah, I mean, I think they're, they've improved a lot. Um, I think the quarterback is playing the best he's played since his time there. Um, looks healthy, looks confident, looks like he's doing a good job delivering the ball to the receivers. I think defensively they do a good job giving you enough looks to create some confusion. There's a lot of movement up front by the defensive front to try to throw you off in the run scheme and, and maybe get you confused in pass protection. So, um, you know, that win at Buffalo last week was a huge win for them. You know, it was a, that's a tough place to go play, you know, first and foremost, and that's a good team to go up there and beat them. And they beat them soundly too. So, um, you know, I think they're, they're playing at their best that they have all year long right now. Do you think this game – like falls at a good time for you in the sense of you're not going to have to get the guys up after a loss because um, they know who you're playing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you have to get the guys up for any game, not alone this one, that's a problem. Um, you know, and I think that one thing that I love about our football team is the fight and the resolve and the commitment to playing all 60 minutes of our games, you know, and I think there's been you know, the course of a couple of these football games that we've lost in really close moments that there's, you know, we we're down three scores twice to Eastern and, you know, had a chance to win the football game at the end. And, you know, not every team can do that, you know, and I know obviously you want to be up three scores twice in every football game, but, you know, I think there's still a, there's still a message there. There's still a, you know, there's still the, the football team still showing you what they're capable of and, and, and who they are as young men. So, I expect them to be ready to go and expect it. And I expect a, a, a Bowling Green team ready to go play for 60 minutes as well. Mitch moved from left to right tackle last week. Your take on it now, having had a chance to watch the film, how do you adjust? Yeah, I mean, I think he made some made some really good plays and I made some ones he probably wish he had back. I mean, there's going to be a little bit of that each and every week. Uh, it's not as easy as a transition as maybe it's made out to be. Um, you always try to cross-train guys at different spots, whether it be center guard, you know, right guard, left guard, that kind of deal, you know, moving from the tackle to being on the edge of the defense. And they're playing against a good player, too. You know, uh, Rush is a good pass rusher, and, you know, he's, uh, he's gave some tackles fits all year long. So I thought he did a fine job, and I think he'll only continue to improve. Do you, do you think these last few games, I mean, Matt Manners obviously played well uh, against Eastern. I mean, can, can he be that dynamic kind of threat in the passing game the rest of the year? Well, I said this after the game. I think one thing that's unfair to Matt is not having spring practice and you know being injured and coming back midsummer and just being thrown into the preseason practice and the preseason mold. You know the guys that have a general understanding of the offense and know what to do at multiple positions. They get a little bit of a leg up on you. You know, and he's he's fought like crazy to to continue to stay in there mentally and continue to practice really hard, and he has. And he got some opportunities the other night with Bryce being out, and he made the most of them. So, you know, when you make the most of your opportunities, more things come your way. It's just this is how it goes. So uh, I expect him to continue a progression here and continue to, to help us because, you know, we're going to need all hands on deck here down the stretch. What did you think was, uh, I don't know, maybe there's obviously multiple reasons. I mean, was it like... It's Taquan's third star. Uh, had some guys back on the offensive line. What was it that, you know, finally in game eight or nine, whatever it was, the offense seemed to find its stride? Well, find its stride. I hope it's a stride. You know, it would be pretty good if that's its stride. And it's just like the third or fourth highest yard total in school history. So, you know, if that's its stride, then we're, we're welcoming its stride the rest of the way out if we can get it. But, um, you know, I thought some real individual, you know, really good individual performances by guys. I thought DQ took some things that maybe the first two weeks of his first two starts that you know maybe were his Achilles heel and bumped them off the tape a little bit. I think there's a couple other plays where he wish he still had back, but um, some good individual performances by Kobach. 
couple of those receivers played really well. I thought the offensive line was in sync for the majority of the game. I thought we played with better pace and uh, a better sense of urgency at the line of scrimmage. Um, and that kind of limits the defense on what they're able to do a little bit, I think, when you play that way. So, you know, it was good to feel to be to feel like, you know, those guys dictated the pace of the football game on their side of the ball. And, you know, that's something I think we've been missing. But uh, last Saturday, we played our most complete game. I thought uh, um, the players showed great resolve, great grit. And uh, we finally made the plays when the plays presented themselves. Came up with a good couple good stops at the end and uh, found a way to win the game. Um, so we're excited about that. I thought the program took a step forward last week. And uh, just like uh, any other week, we're trying to take another step this week. Uh, in regards to uh, uh, Ferg, Devon Ferguson, he's uh, going to be out for the season. He had uh, surgery last week. Uh, excuse me. Um, he had surgery on Monday, which went extremely well. And uh, he'll be back with the Falcons uh, next year. But uh, he's doing well, and uh, we're going to miss him. He's a good player, and uh, you know, he's going to get healthy and help us win next year for sure. Um, what did you hear from the league about the ejection? Did you hear anything? And what kind of what happened there? Yeah, the just like I said that uh, uh, after the game, I think it was a learning spirit, uh, learning experience for all that was involved. Uh, I said that I have to do better, and. Uh, what uh, uh, it was all handled internally. Everything was uh, done, uh, I thought, very professionally, and uh, I'm happy with uh, how the league handled it. And uh, we'll move on and go from there. But uh, it was a good learning experience for all involved, for sure. Um, with this week in particular, how much has this rivalry kind of grown on you over the last couple of years? And you've been part of so many great ones. But how has this rivalry kind of grown on you the last couple of years? Well, it's, it's been a rivalry that I watched ever since I was a kid. Um, growing up in Northeast Ohio, you watched uh, the Michigan-Ohio State game, you watched the Michigan-Notre Dame game, and you watched uh, Kent State-Akron, and you watched Bowling Green and Toledo. So it's a game that, uh, you know, if you're an Ohio Midwest guy, uh, it's a very important game. Uh, it's been a, a great rivalry, fun to watch, exciting, and uh, I'm uh, very grateful to be a part of it. What are the emotions like during this week? And do you have to kind of harness it because there's so much time before you get to it? What are that up those emotions like that during the week? Yeah, they're uh, you know it's it's like that. I think that in any great rivalry, it's like that. 365 days a year, you know, you're trying to recruit better, you're trying to build your program better, you're trying to do this, and so are they. Um, I love great rivalries that have good respect, and uh, I think that goes across the board. And, uh, you know, it's rivalry. There's no, nothing better. I love the, uh, the rivalries that I've been a part of, and this one's a, a special one, too. You talk about the milestone victories. You mentioned Minnesota uh, when you guys beat UT a couple years ago. Um, can you take me back to that? Because I know that you say as you build this program, you need to have foundational wins like that. Yeah, that was a, a great win our first year here. Um, but you're always measured on the, on the, on the previous game. And uh, we went up to uh, Toledo and did not play well, and uh, um, they played very well. And uh, so, you know, you got to have a chip on your shoulder from, from that loss, and we're going to come out and we're going to work really hard this week and try to move the program and compete against our rival. You know, games of this magnitude, 
What does it mean to win games like this? And what does it mean to lose games like this? It's a rivalry game. You know, it's bragging rights for 365 days a year. Um, most of the time, uh, there's such great respect with the game. and um, Those great rivalries, you, you win some, you lose some. And um, obviously, you're training year-round to try to win them, for sure. So um, it's a rivalry game. I've, I've been on the winning side of a lot of them, losing side of them. And, um, they're, uh, they, hurt, they hurt a little bit more, and, they, uh, and they're a little bit sweeter when you win. That's probably the only difference. Your offensive line really stepped up over the last couple of weeks here. Um, Buffalo was a team that got 11 sacks against Akron. You guys only let them get to Matt three times. Um, what is it to be? What is there to be said about that offensive line and how they've been able to step up over the last few weeks? I think they're uh, developing. Uh, they're growing. Uh, obviously, just like I said, we're so young, and uh, in a regular situation, we would have these guys still, you know, playing a little bit and, and lifting a lot of weights. So. What they've done uh, in the situation that they were in has uh, been pretty good and pretty remarkable. They're playing really hard right now. Uh, it's not always pretty, but uh, it's not going to be pretty whenever you have you know, as much youth as we have. But I'm really thankful for them, and uh, you know, they've really done a good job improving. And uh, this week is uh, no different than Buffalo. We're going to have to have multiple ways to, uh, uh, to get rid of the football. We had a good plan versus Buffalo. We used every single ounce of it, and it helped us against Buffalo. But uh, this this team that we're playing is, uh, I think, the most talented team in the conference. Um, I think they can rush the passer, they can cover, they can run, and uh, you know we're going to have to play our very very best game, handle the no talent issues, control the rush, and uh, find creative ways to get rid of the football. Uh, quite a few players in the locker room now that haven't experienced the rivalry game to this magnitude. Um, whether it's you or the players giving them the message of what this game really does mean, you know, what is that message going into this week to those new players? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a rivalry game, and it's been a tradition around here for a long time. And uh, we always talk about respect, and we talk about this game year-round in terms of preparation. Uh, everything that you do during the off-season and during training camp, it all matters because this is the game. There's no question about that. But uh, um, you educate them on the rivalry. You educate them on the games that have played in the past, the great players that have made plays in this game. And, uh, you know, I think rivalry games should always be treated with great respect and uh, always have and always will. Do you guys do, like, a, a beat Toledo drill during the offseason, or do you guys do any of those kind of things throughout the We have. We have, and... Uh, it's pretty typical in any rivalry game. Um, when you are so close to them in terms of proximity, but also you're recruiting, I assume, some of the same kids at least uh, in Northwest Ohio. Um, does, it, does it mean more to those kids, do you think, from Northwest Ohio to win a game like this? Well, I think uh, the, the whole intent of, of our recruiting philosophy is – 75% of the roster, you know, it's the Clawson model. 75% of the roster has to come from a four-hour radius. The other 25% can come from anywhere, and the arm can come from anywhere. Um, I think whenever you have a team that uh, is built on the four-hour radius, this game means more. Uh, if I lived in Texas, I don't know if I would know 
the history between the Bowling Green Toledo game. I just don't think I would. I'd have to be educated if I walked in the door. But you know, when I lived two and a half hours from here, three hours from here, so I understand uh, the importance of the game, and I think our players do too. Um, the majority of all our coaches are are from this area, so we understand the rivalry. So I think it's a great uh, local rivalry, area rivalry, I should say. And, uh, yeah, I do think that the, the people that are within the four-hour radius, it's pretty important. Um, a year ago in this game, uh, Matt obviously didn't play his best football. How much has he progressed from, from that day to now? Yeah, he was – we technically, what he did, uh, he should have had surgery – before the season, he did that injury uh, in training camp, and he gutted it out. He didn't play well. I think it's the best thing that ever happened to him was those five games in terms of he's not healthy. We weren't ready to do anything offensively. We couldn't protect, couldn't get open, couldn't do this. And, uh, you know, he learned that, uh, you know, I mean, gosh, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Eli, all these great ones, when they go outside the box, nine times out of ten, they get beat, and they lose the rep. And uh, so there's no difference than Matt McDonald going outside the box. I think he understood that whenever you go outside the box, bad things are going to happen. Uh, we're still fighting it. Uh, he's ten million times better with it. But uh, there's about three or four plays that uh, in the offseason that we hope to eliminate from the for the next year that uh, – we don't have any of those. Um, you know, when I've been around those great senior quarterbacks, they can go forever without throwing an interception, and they can go forever without going outside the box. And uh, that's the goal. Um, obviously, Toledo's had some struggles of their own recently. What do you see of that, uh, from them on tape? I see a um, super athletic team and uh, that's playing with great effort. Um, they might not have had the ball bounce the right way for them a few times, but... They're playing really hard, um, and that's you know that's any compliment, I and mean, that's the best compliment you could ever hear from a coach. I think they're playing really hard. I think they're athletic as heck. Um, they had a couple of things that didn't go their way a few times, but uh, I think this is one of the better teams, if not the best team in the league. Talking about building the culture here, you've referenced throughout your progress here about we don't have everybody buying in yet. Where does that stand with the players and the buy-in? Uh, we're 3,000 times better in that area. We've got uh, – there's always a few. Um, there's always uh, a few locker room lawyers and all that other stuff, but we have very minimum problems right now on our football team in terms of attitude, effort, uh, care, uh, love for each other. It's, uh, it's night. That's the one thing that we are completely night and day, and that's why we're giving ourselves a chance. We – We've went from uh, not being able to compete, not being in a football game. Guys didn't even know their names, each other's names, to they care. They care about Bowling Green. They want to win for each other. Um, they're trying. Were we perfect yet? No. Do we have work still to do to, to get to the championship level and have great consistency? We do. We have a ways to go there. But uh, we put ourselves in position through change of culture and through uh, – how to practice uh, to give ourselves a chance to compete. Now we've got to push it over the top. And I think this stage of a program is the hardest. Um, it's easy to go from the very bottom to good, but going from good and pushing it over top to great is, uh, is really challenging. And uh, we have some holes we got to fill through recruiting. 
Um, but in terms of our attitude, in terms of guys liking each other and doing things the right way, we're night and day. So you just heard both coaches, Scott Leffler, the head coach of the Bowling Green State University Falcons, and Jason Candle, the head coach of the Bowling of uh, the uh, University of Toledo Rockets. Looking at this game, folks, if you are betting this game right now, the University of Toledo is favored in this game by 10.5 points in the game. Uh, by the way, the over-under, if you're looking for that, uh, is the over-under on the is over 50. So if you're looking at that in the money line, uh, it's negative 420 to the to the Rockets, three plus 320 to Bowling Green. So there is that for you. Uh, like I said, overall stats, Bowling Green averages 23.6 points per game. The Rockets 30.8 points a game, so the over could be pretty easily. Bowling Green averages allows 30.6 a game, so that's going to be average what Toledo is. Toledo averages 22 points a game. That's about average what Bowling Green scores. Total yards, Bowling Green average is about 333 total yards a game. The Rockets, 411. They also, the Rockets allow 344, what Bowling Green has. And then the Rockets, Bowling Green usually averages 375 yards a game. So there is that for you. Weather's going to be absolutely gorgeous tomorrow. 57 degrees. Tomorrow, the kickoff is going to probably be in the mid-50s. It'll be the upper 40s by by halftime tomorrow. So, here it is. So, like I said, the wager is always between me and my dad every year at Thanksgiving. We have the tradition of who wears what hat and sings the fight song at the Thanksgiving table. 2019 was absolutely beautiful for me. Uh, finally getting to have my dad seeing the BG fight song, wear the BG hat. It was fantastic. Um, this game, I think, it's going to be a lot closer than that's experts think. Um, if you look at Finn for bowling, for the Rockets, he's he, this season he's 82 for 147 with 1,176 yards, 8 TDs, 1 interception. Mac McDonald is 188 for 308 for 2,127 yards. He averages 10. He has 10 TDs and 7 interceptions this year. Kovac is the key for them in the running back situation. The defense has to stand out for Bowling Green in this game. 135 carries for 182 yards, 7 TDs this season. Uh, while Stewart, 41 carries for 282 yards, 3 TDs for Bowling Green. You know, you look at this. If Bowling Green wants to win this game, BG has to execute and shut down Brian Kovac. That has to be number one. That has to be number one. And then they have to get to the quarterback in Finn. Um, for for the Rockets, it's pretty much shut down. You, you cut down Matt McDonald and his throwing ability. A young Stewart and the running gack situation, you know, it's going to be there. Uh, we'll be there for the game tomorrow night. I'll be there. We have a whole posse going to be there. Uh, make note of this too. If you are coming to the game to the joint, we will have a special edition of all Andy Alford live from the tailgate live. 
We're tailgating in the plot from 5 p.m. until 6.30. We are 5 to 6.30. We'll have cornhole. We'll have, we'll have a couple coolers for some beverages. We'll have some chairs. Throw the football around. Get you ready for tomorrow night's game. And then we'll walk into the stadium all together to watch this big rivalry. This is the huge rivalry, like I mentioned before. This is the 86th meeting between these two teams. Uh, half tempted to make a sign tomorrow to shout out Big Cat and all the stoolies who are watching the game tomorrow night. Which, like I said, uh, Matt Campbell and Scott Leffler said it best. This is the Midwest game. This is Big Cat written all over it. Two schools hate each other. 20 miles, 25 miles apart from each other. Tomorrow night at the Doit. I know it's going to be a homer pick. I'm thinking closer than the experts think. I'm thinking Bowling Green pulls the upset tomorrow. Closer than the experts think. I have Bowling Green winning 42 to 39. 42-39 Bowling Green tomorrow. I think the over gets smashed. I think the BG wins plus the points. If you're betting tomorrow, Bowling Green is the pet, is the pet tomorrow. Um we'll see how it all shakes out. It is just going to be a fantastic game. We are going to recap it all on Friday with a Falcon Friday edition of the program. Like I mentioned before, we will have a special edition of All Andy Alfred. We're taping it at the stadium pregame. Uh, you'll hear us live at the stadium pregame. We'll, pro- we'll preview the big game again for you guys, give you the last-minute updates for it. Uh, great crowd on hand. If you're going to be in the area, like I said, we're, we'll be in the tailgate lot. Look for the house-divided flag. Look for the house-divided flag in the tailgate lot. If you find the flag, you find the tailgate, you'll find the cornhole boards, and you'll find the beverages. You will find some chairs. It will be a fantastic thing. We're going to tailgate from 5 until 6.30. 5 to 6.30, so an hour and a half to get you set for the big game tomorrow night. The 86th meeting of this rivalry Formerly the Peace Pipe, now the Battle of I-75 Trophy. Can it come back to Bowling Green? Can Matt McDonald and the Bowling Green State University Falcons pull the upset? Led by Stewart and Bolden. Or will Brian Kovac and Finn and Jason Candle keep the trophy in the middle of their room for another 365 days? Will I be singing the UT fight song on Friday's edition of All Andy Alford, or will I be playing the Bowling Green fight song? Time will tell. Time will absolutely tell. So we'll see how that all shakes out. As you have been listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you have listened, wherever and whenever you listen, thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. We will talk to you tomorrow night from Doy L. Perry Stadium on the campus of Bowling Green State University 
as Bowling Green takes on the University of Toledo in the Battle of I-75. Bowling Green, Toledo, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. If you're not going to the game, CBS Sports Network, 7 o'clock kickoff. College football playoff rankings happening here in just a little bit. We'll give it to you on tomorrow's edition of All Andy Alford. Until then, this is Andy Alford saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home. And to my teams. Go Jackets! Go Walleye! Go Browns! Come on Lions. Sell the team. Martha, sell the team. And go State. Ohio, Michigan. But best of all, go Falcons! Get the job done, boys. Tomorrow at the Doit, 7 o'clock kick. We'll be on the air at 5 o'clock for another edition of All Andy Elford, the Battle of I-75. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Elford Network powered by Anchor. You have been listening to Andy right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, Leaker, however you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. And remember, you can follow Andy on Twitter. It is at All Andy Elford. It is at All Andy Elford. Facebook.com slash All Andy Elford. Podcasts are posted every Tuesday and Friday right here on the Anchor Network.